So in our society today, there are many people trying to convince us of something. Right? Think about advertisement, think about marketing. We have something that's better. We have something that you need. Uh, We have something that has been built or been created, but we've made it a little bit more uh, palatable, if you will. So many agendas out there. So many people who arbitrate truth. So many people that will try to convince you that truth is something that truth is really not. You understand what I'm saying? So my question to you this morning is, how do you know what's right? How do you know what's wrong? How do you know even what I say? Right? I mean, you would hope to think that when we gather as the church, when we gather around this table, that people don't come with an agenda. But sadly, um, the truth is, we all have a bias. We all have an agenda. We all have a prejudice. Right? We all have a human nature. You understand what I'm saying? I remember a, a preacher when I was growing up always saying, uh, I say he always said it, I'm sure probably once a month or something like that, but I, when I was young I thought he always said it, right? Don't trust me, go home and search for yourself, right? And I'm telling you the same thing. Don't trust me, go home and search for yourself. You guys have heard what I've said about the Scriptures. The Scripture holds the very truth that we need. And so just don't believe anything that I say or anything your Sunday school teacher says or anything you hear in a Bible study uh, that is declared, make sure you study it, make sure you gauge it based upon what the Word says, right? And yet sometimes that seems to be a little bit harder than we'd like. Last week we began a series called On Guard in Second Peter. Today we're going to continue that series. We're going to be jumping about a few different places, but we're going to begin here in 2 Peter. And this, again, is a heavy text. This is a text that most of us are a bit naive. Most of us think that we're all on the up and up. We forget about that flesh sometimes. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as heavy as this text is, be encouraged. Let's get into 2 Peter chapter 2. It says this, But false prophets also arose among the people. False prophets also arose among the people. Do you guys remember what Peter is all about? Peter is writing to the church and he's warning them about their sufferings. He's warning them about not losing focus during their struggles. And this is one of those struggles. This is one of that, those times where they're really suffering that even in, in the midst of the people, even in people that you would think love you, right? It says even false prophets arose among The people. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. You hear that? And many of them will follow their sensuality, these false teachers' sensuality. They're they're personality-driven. They... They're, they're like an attract, a, a magnet who attracts people to their personality. They, many will follow their sensuality, and because of these false teachers, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. I was watching a video this past week of, of a quote-unquote pastor who leads a church, and their definition of sin is 
more than just not vague. It is do whatever you want to do. False teaching. Um, this is prevalent in our society today. There, there are preachers that would say, we never speak about sin, we never speak about hell, that there's enough negativity out in the world that when people get here, they don't need that. Let me tell you something. If you understand the Gospel the way I understand the Gospel, if you understand the Gospel is good news, you have to recognize that there are, are bad things so that you understand the good news. You are a sinner, therefore you need a Savior. You hear what I'm saying? And, and this is not, there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, we're arbitrating truth. We're, we're trying to define, I say we, the society is trying to define truth. God forgive us. Verse 3 says, In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Now, for the sake of time, I want you to drop down to verse 10, if you will. The latter part of verse 10 says this, Bold and willful, these false teachers do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord, but these like irrational animals, hear that? But these, Peter says, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they're ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots, they're blemishes, they're reveling, they're reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. Listen, verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin. These are people in the church, Peter says. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. We'll come back to that. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children. Let's stop there for just a moment. March 26, 1997, police discovered 39 bodies outside of San Diego, California. Some of you may remember this date. It was determined that the 39 participated in a mass suicide. It was led by a man named Marshall Applewhite. Applewhite was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Don't let that escape your knowledge. He was the son of a Presbyterian minister. He was raised in the church. However, in the 70s, Applewhite was particularly interested in science fiction and claimed to have the ability to communicate with extraterrestrials. This newfound passion led him to read the Bible different than what he had been taught. He went so far as to say that he and his wife were two witnesses that John describes in Revelation. And in 1997, a comet is heading toward the earth, if you remember, Applewhite convinced his followers the comet was followed by a spacecraft which would take them to another world. However, for this to happen, each person must take, must take this phenobarbital, which was mixed with applesauce and chased by vodka, and in two separate shifts, members of the cult die, did, as Applewhite suggested, and they all died. They calmly dressed in slacks, a t-shirt, put on Nike tennis shoes. You guys remember this? They covered their face with something like a 
small shroud, and they laid down to die. How could this happen? On August the 17th, 1959, Vernon Wayne Howe was born in Houston. His family eventually moved to the Dallas area. They were members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He claimed he mentioned or he memorized both the Old and New Testaments before he was 18 years old. He was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, according to Hal. And in the 80s, after a brief time in Los Angeles, Hal moved to Waco and joined a group who called themselves the Branch Davidians. A splinter group, if you will, off of the Seventh-day Adventist. A power struggle happened in the 80s, caused Hal to leave the group, take his own followers with him. He returned in 1987, if you remember. He gained power, naming the land outside of Waco, Mount Carmel. Hal formally changed his own name to David Koresh in 1990. If you don't know, Koresh is the name of a Persian king from antiquity. It's not a coincidence that he chose the name David Koresh. He began to teach about what he called spiritual weddings, allowing himself to marry any woman he chose from old to young, ranging in all different ways. With his legal wife, Koresh is reported to have fathered 12 children. He deemed himself a prophet and at one point even claimed to be the Messiah. He believed in being separate from the world and all governments convincing his followers to gain as many weapons as possible. You guys remember that. Carried out heavy-handed discipline to followers, both adults, by the way, and their own children. In 1993, 80 people lost their life in what is deemed the Waco standoff. I still have these pictures in my mind watching the television as the federal government goes in with these tanks and the whole thing is ablaze. You guys remember that? Resh maintained his identity as the Messiah and had 20 wives when he died. Documentaries recently produced would say that there are even followers of David Koresh who are alive and still maintain that David Koresh was a prophet. How can this be? There's nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, whether it's Marshall Applewhite or Jim Jones or David Koresh or... Who's the next Marshall Applewhite? Who's the next David Koresh? Maybe a better question is, is, who are the people listening to these people? You notice what it says in verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Peter. These people will bring destructive heresies. I think there's a slide, or was a slide, about destructive heresies, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, next slide if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13-15, listen to what it says. For such men are false apostles. They're false apostles, deceitful workmen. They're disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Right? If, I can, if I can gather enough followers to believe what I believe, if I can convince you of something that's not really true, you follow what I'm saying? Deceitful means that these people have an intent to gain an attraction, to gain some followers. They're, they're deceitful. They're disguising themselves as apostles of Jesus Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end 
will correspond to their deeds. Sounds what somewhat like Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, right? They secretly bring in heresies. How's this possible? Elders? How's this possible that within the church, within the people of God, there's these false prophets? We're not talking about just evil out there. We're talking about evil in here. How's it possible that we have manipulators in the church that secretly bring in heresies? You know what's possible because we don't know the Word. It's possible because we don't gauge everything that we hear and everything that we see and everything that we do through God's Word. Secondly, in chapter 2, verse 2, it says, many will follow their sensuality. Many will follow. I mean, 39 doesn't sound like a whole lot in San Diego, California. But it's 39 individuals that should have never lost their life. 80 people is not a whole lot. But it's 80 people, and then you have a domino effect of all these families, of all the society has been affected because of what Marshall Applewhite did. Society has been affected because of what David Koresh did. Society will be affected by whatever the next false prophet, the false teacher says, proclaims, leads people to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it says right here, over and over again, but here in chapter 2 of, of 2 Peter, he says, many... Many will follow. Many will follow. We can feel sorry for these 38 individuals, minus Marshall Applewhite. We can feel sorry for 79 people, minus David Koresh. But what kind of manipulation does it take? What kind of gathering does it take? What kind of convincing does it take? These are not just gullible people. These are educated people. These are educated people that buy the lies hook, line, and sinker. They're manipulated and they do everything their leaders ask them to do. It's not just Marshall Applewhite, is it? It's not just David Koresh, is it? It's not just, and you can pick, pick your guy, right? Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, Charles Taze Russell. I could get even more specific but you understand what i'm saying right it's it's not just these unique individuals like charles manson or any of these other things this this is about educated people not knowing the word and they're led to their demise many will follow listen to this first john chapter 4 1 through 6 beloved listen this is the church he's talking to right don't believe every spirit the reason that my preacher told me, go and study for yourself. Make, make sure this adds up, right? There, there's some value to a, an education. There's a, some value into my undergrad. I'm confirming this to my wife because there will be more education, Lord willing. There's some value to education. And yet the greatest education you can have, the greatest education I can have, is the Holy Spirit. So John tells the church, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is the first century. We're in the 21st century. This is nothing new, right? There's nothing new under the sun. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Listen, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, isn't that the key? What do you do with Jesus? Well, we talked about this before, but I think it's important enough to mention again. C.S. Lewis, um, some of you know the name Josh McDowell as well. But, but here's the key, right? You, what do you do with Jesus? He's either Lord, that's, that's what the Bible says, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He's liar. Or He's crazy. Those are the only three options you have. He's Lord. When, when, when they said Jesus is Lord, that's opposed to the Caesar is Lord. Caesar considered himself God. So the reason they said Jesus is Lord is because they want to acknowledge who Jesus is, right? And so the key is, what do you do with Jesus? Doesn't it all boil down to that? When a Mormon knocks on your door and says, let's talk about Jesus, and offers you the Book of Mormon, you better be able to pull out your Bible and say, let's talk about Jesus, but let's do it from the Scriptures. You hear the difference? When a Jehovah Witness shows up at your, at your door and says, let's talk about Jesus. Well, let's make sure we're talking about the right kind of Jesus. You follow? Right? Well, these spirits, this confessing that, about Jesus as being Lord, this, this is the key. This is... What do you do with Jesus? Either He's Lord, He's liar, or He's a lunatic. Now it sounds like we're all on the same page here this morning. But perhaps those 39 in San Diego, California would want to say that. Maybe the 80 people in Waco would want to say that. And yet there's this magnet named Applewhite or Koresh that draws them in. Almost said loves on them. But I, don't, I think this is far from love. I think this is evil personified. And you pick the gullible people, right? You pick the weak people. But they're not just gullible and weak, they're also educated. Right? This is the spirit of the Antichrist, it says. Those who don't confess Jesus from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, that's a term of endearment. He's saying, please understand, I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. Little children... You are from God and have overcome these false teachers. For He who is in you, who's in you? The Holy Spirit. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Isn't that good news? They're from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. But we are from God. This is, the, this is the debate about in the world and not of the world. We live in a broken world, and yet we're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. It says we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The Bible says going to, there's going to come a time, we may look at this here in a minute, we have time willing, we have time, but there comes a point in time where people just want their ears tickled. There comes a point in time where they just want to hear from somebody that's going to tell them everything's going to be alright. Everything's going to be alright. You don't have to do anything. Everything's good. This, this pastor, I use that term a lot loosely, that I saw this past week on the video was, was basically saying everything's going to be alright. Do whatever you want to do. Sin however you want to sin. And you know what? 
the people were gathering. The people were gathering. And I thought, there's a special kind of place in hell for those kind of people. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when you have that kind of control over people, when you... But the point I want to make this morning is don't, don't buy the lies. Don't accept part of the gospel without accepting all of the gospel. Don't, don't buy part of it. Don't buy the stuff that feels good. Don't buy the entertainment and not know your scriptures. Let, let, let me define a couple things for you. First of all, some of you, Wednesday night, you'll remi- be reminded of this. Um, Orthodoxy. Real quick definition. Biblical teaching passed on from generation to generation. Now, the key there is biblical teaching. It's not just teaching passed on from generation to generation. You understand what I'm saying? It's biblical teaching passed on from generation to generation. That is the key. Don't walk away from here saying, oh, it's teaching from generation. No, that's not what I said. I said biblical teaching from generation to generation. All right? As opposed to orthodoxy, we have what's called unorthodoxy or unorthodoxy. That's teaching that may sound plausible, but is unbiblical. Any kind of manipulation of truth is evil. You hear what I'm saying? So, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, but... There is no yeah but. Jesus said, and Jesus has been accused of being intolerant. That's okay. I can be accused of being intolerant as long as I follow Jesus. You follow what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we should chastise people with hate. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we should love people. Those of you that are in a Bible study this morning, we love the person who's caught in adultery, but we also have the obligation to say, go and sin no more. You, 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 God loves you, but you've got to stop it. Right? You hear the message? Have you, have you checked out the, uh, the website? On the What We Believe page, if you haven't, it's hillchrismckinney.org.com, whatever. Let me give you a couple of things that we have. What We Believe text. This is, this is what we believe at Hillcrest. Listen, there's one God eternally existing in three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. These three are co-equal and each possess all the attributes of God. God is the Creator, the Sustainer of the universe. You just read from Colossians chapter 1. God is the Creator, the Sustainer of the universe and everything in the universe. Matthew chapter 3. We quote from the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 3. John chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. What we believe about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified, buried, physically raised from the dead. Salvation through Jesus is for all who believe. Jesus is the only way man can have a a relationship with God. Luke chapter 1, John chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Hebrews chapter 4. About the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives with every believer. Every believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That Holy Spirit guides them, intercedes to the Father for them and offers peace in a broken world. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and Son. The Holy Spirit convicts a believer of sin 
and draws all men towards God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, John chapter 16. About mankind. Now here's the bad part. About mankind. Mankind was created in the image of God. We read about that in Genesis chapter 1, 26-28. But after choosing a way of separation from God. How many of you are selfish? Raise your hand. You're selfish. After choosing a way of our own, mankind has experienced separation from God, from one another, and from all of creation. There is is no hope for man to reconcile with God without Jesus. Genesis 1, Genesis 3, John 14, verse 6, about salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Salvation means repenting of sin. Choose. Some of you know that name, that term. Confession of Christ. Being immersed in a new way of life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Acts 2.38, Galatians 3.27. About the church, about this place here, about this community. The church was established by Jesus Christ. It will exist for all time. It will not be conquered. The church is more than one local body of believers. We exist to glorify Christ Jesus in all things and in all ways. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Romans 10, Acts chapter 2. If you haven't checked out what we believe tab on the website, if you have a computer, go check it out. That's what, we, that's what we stand for. That's what we hold to. That's what the Bible says. In other words, truth is not something that's arbitrary. Truth is not whatever you choose it for it to be. God has already decided what truth is. And this person that would get up and, I don't care if they wear a cleric, a, you know, a black robe with a white little thing here, That means really powerful, right? And they say things like, Jesus loves you. And I'm like, man, I'm on board with that. Jesus loves you. We're your accusers. They're nowhere to be found. But they never get to the place where it says, go and sin no more. They never get to a place where it says, you're a sinner. You're saved by grace. You need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. That's the Gospel. We've become so immune. We've become so focused on the warm, fuzzy feeling. I mean, I was raised in a church where it was hellfire and brims, right? Some of you know, 1970s, early 80s, man, it was, it was harsh. And I'm not, I'm not about being harsh. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying we've moved from one side all the way to the other, and we've gone from telling people the truth Sometimes in a very harsh way, which Jesus never did. But at least they told the truth. And now we're just saying, do whatever you want. And I think we're going to answer for that one day. In 2 Peter, I told you we'd come back to this real quick. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Listen, they have eyes full of adultery, these false teachers. They're insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. There it is. There it is. They entice unsteady souls. So the 38 that bought in... Man, go read about Marshall Applewhite. This dude is evil, evil, evil. And he was so... Whether it's crazy or he was really that evil, he manipulated these 37 plus his wife into thinking that they're going to follow this Haley's Comet out of here to another world. That sounds really crazy to us right now, doesn't it? 
I want to make sure we're on the same page, right? And you're like, it, it sounds really crazy, but for them it didn't. For them it didn't. They were unsteady souls. For the people who died on Mount Carmel in, outside of Waco, the reason they died is because they were unsteady souls. They didn't know the Word. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I hope we have a relationship with Jesus. We may be 12 ordinary individuals. Or 45 ordinary, 50 people here at Hillcrest Christian Church. But Lord willing, part of our DNA, when we stand before God was, they, they knew Jesus Christ. They, they, that's my prayer. They knew Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this, the Spirit expressly says in later times some will depart from the faith. They will devote themselves to deceitful spirits. You hear that? You come and you take communion on Sunday morning. You go through the motions. You might even serve. You've gotten into baptistry. But Monday through Saturday, you devote yourselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. What do you watch on TV? What do you, what do you, who do you listen to on the radio? Do you filter? Do you, do you buy every, everything? Hook. I, I mentioned to you several weeks ago, quickly, um, this sweet lady uh, who was in the church. And she was a teacher for a time. She would go to the bookstore and she would pick up the bestseller, number one. And she would get everything she could out of that book. And she would come on Sunday and she would teach whatever was in the book. And the next week she would go to the bookstore and it was something else was number one. And she would pick up that book. And her theology was all of a sudden transformed into this book. She had no ability to filter book to book to book. Do you get the idea? You know what gives you the ability to filter this? The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to filter this. And he gives us that ability as iron sharpens iron. Some of you know that text. As iron sharpens iron, right? We need each other. The reason that we need community is because if, if Satan can divide and destroy us, that's exactly where he wants us. He wants these rogue, quote-unquote, rogue Christians out here saying, I don't need the church. I don't need community. I don't need family. I don't need anybody else except me and hogwash. I need you. You need me. We need each other. If not, we fall into the same trap. These people were insincere liars. Their consciences are seared, it says. He goes on to say, for everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected. It is if it's received with thanksgiving. It's made holy by the Word of God and with prayer. Listen, if you put these things before the brothers, if you remind them of how good God is, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, he tells Timothy. Being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine, as opposed to bad doctrine that you follow. Have nothing to do, listen, some of you need to hear this, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. Man, we, we like the game, right? We come on Sunday, we come on Wednesday, we come to the Bible studies, but we don't go to practice. You can't play in the game unless you go to practice. 
And practice takes a lot of work. Right? So he says, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of the value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Dropping down to verse 16 for the sake of time, he says, listen, here's the warning. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Remember the difference between orthodoxy and unorthodoxy, right? Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Elders, why are we judged at a much higher rate than the layperson? It's because we, we are to protect the sheep. We are to guard the doctrine. We are to guard the teaching closely. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 20 and 21 says this, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradiction of what is falsely called, and then he used quotation marks, knowledge. Avoid these contradictions. Avoid this irreverent babble. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. There's nothing new under the sun, church. If it happened then, it could happen again. What about it? it happened then and it happens today. Let me read the end of chapter 2 and I'll close. Second Peter chapter 2. These false teachers, verse 17, are waterless springs. They're mist driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. <laughs> you hear that? For speaking loud boasts to follow, they entice by censure. This is the manipulation. This is the, this is the personality magnet, right? If I can gain enough following, and I can gain enough following if I just tell you what you want to hear. For speaking loud boasts to follow, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. For if... if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Remember the guy who was excised of demons? One demon moves out. He didn't clean up place, right? Seven move in. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says, Peter says, has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And after the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Church, this false teaching, this false preaching, this, this garbage that is labeled Christianity, that is labeled grace and love and rainbows and unicorns and There's a danger. There's a danger in not being able to filter. There's a danger in buying everything hook, line, and sinker. There's a danger in being outside these walls and being on your own and not being in community and not being in relationship. Yes, first and foremost with God, but also one with another. Because I need you. You need me. We need each other's accountability. And for us to be protected... For us to be able to pray for you and for you to pray for me, we need to be hemmed in with that hedge that the Bible speaks about, right? 
And the only way to do that is to be in community. My challenge is, is, is for you to think about these things that you are somewhat gullible in. Um, there are a lot of things out there. Just one little manipulation of truth. Did God really say? That's where temptation starts. Did God really say? Well, guess what? You don't know if God said it or not unless you're in the Word. My prayer is that we'll be people of the Word. Would you join me?